0: Pray with me, if you will. Most holy God, we have come to meet you here. Renew our spirits through your word, and may our lives be pleasing and useful for your work. Amen. Just three days ago, it was Thanksgiving, which meant that at my house, the turkey was stuffed, and so were we. We had a lot of food, a lot of laughter, a little bit of football. It was a great day. We gave blessings for friends and family. It was an ideal day. And before noon on Friday morning, my mother and I got up and went shopping. It has become more tradition than actual shopping We make time to meet the other women in the family for breakfast. We laugh, we talk, we reflect, and we plan. This Friday morning ritual marks something for me. It is the beginning of the holidays. Christmas is coming. And today, it's a new day, a new beginning for the church. This is the beginning of Advent. We mark the beginning of the new church year by going to year B in the lectionary. We light the Advent candles. The trees are up. The choirs are practicing overtime. And classes are planning parties. The excitement is almost palpable. Christmas is coming, or more accurately, Christ is coming. I bet I could ask any child in this room, what does it mean, Christ is coming? And they would tell us about baby Jesus in the manger, angels in the sky, shepherds in the field. I mean, that's what it means, isn't it? Christ is coming at Christmas? Actually, our gospel lesson today out of Mark tells us that Christ is coming again. That's just enough to send a hush around the room, isn't it? Aren't we more comfortable singing Away in the Manger than I'll Meet You in the Sky, by and by? And yet here we are, the first Sunday of the year, the first Sunday of Advent, and the lectionary text is Mark thirteen twenty-four 24-37, which is commonly known as the Apocalyptic Discourses. What are we to make of apocalyptic teaching of Jesus, On the first Sunday of Advent, we talk about Advent as being the season of hope and of preparation, but we usually focus on the past event of Christ, the past coming, rather than the future event of Christ's coming. And I think this is interesting and probably a modern trend. The Gospel of Mark was written about 50 to 60 years after Jesus' death. And these early Christians were not looking back in history. They weren't looking to the Bethlehem story. They weren't looking at Jesus' birth. Read Mark is not even included. And if you read on through the Gospels, look at the Gospel according to John. There's no birth story there. Rather, these early church believers were looking forward. They had an approach of eschatology, the end times. What is to come? And this approach does not ignore history, but rather it looks at history in its totality the past, the present, and the future. We know the past, it is described in Holy Scripture. It tells us Christ has come. We know the present, Christ is here. The promise of Christ's coming is fulfilled today. Emmanuel is with us. God with us. Transformation happens now. We experience God in Christ now. And yet, transformation is not complete. And so we know the future. In our Wesleyan tradition, we talk about the sanctifying grace of God, that grace that leads us on to Christian perfection, which is eventually realized in eternity. We also recognize the future reality of the reign of God, when God's will and work will be fulfilled. And so here on the first Sunday of Advent, let us be reminded that we, if we only live in the past, on what God has done, rather than on what God is doing and will do, we will miss the joy and the fulfillment, not to mention the purpose and the meaning of Christmas. That sounds pretty good in theory, doesn't it? Christ is coming again. I think it sounds a little bit scary. If you've ever read Revelation, some of you may agree Or how about those popular books, the Left Behind series? And yet I believe Jesus' words here to the disciples were not meant to scare them, and they're not meant to scare us. Why do I believe that? Well, let me tell you what happens at my house Monday to Friday and sometimes on Saturday too. I say to my kids about a dozen words as they go to school and I head over to Emory. I say... I'll pick you up at 4 o'clock. Do you have your stuff? And I love you. And what I'm really saying to them is when school is out, you will not be left alone. I'll be back for you. Are you prepared for the day? Do you have your phone? Can you call me if you need me? Do you have your lunch and your homework? Are you prepared to do the work of the day? And I love you speaks for itself. I want to look at what Jesus is saying in these verses of Mark, but first I think we have to look at it in context. Because when you look at our text, read the very next verse. It's chapter 14, verse 1. And it says it was two days before Passover. Do you remember what happened at Passover? It was the Lord's Supper. Sometimes we call it the Last Supper. It was the beginning of the passion. Jesus knew the end was at hand. He had healed the sick. He had taught. He had preached all over the region. And now he's in Jerusalem to die. When are our most tender and important words said? It's right before we leave. It's before I tell my kids goodbye in the morning. It's when we kiss at the airport. It's like Jesus getting ready to leave when death is imminent. And the last words are important. They are tender. And our text tells us what Jesus says to the disciples in his last two days. He says, What I say to my kids I'll be back for you. Do your work while I'm gone. And I love you. These apocalyptic discourses are not meant to make us afraid, they were not meant to scare the disciples. This is good news. These are encouraging words. Now, I know some people, not in this room, but some people would say, I'm not really sure I believe Jesus is coming again. Isn't that what evangelicals believe? And they do, but so do we. Now, I personally do not speak for you, but there is a community that has spoken for you. You were baptized into it. It preceded you, and it will go long after you. It is the body of Christ, the church. We may cringe at the idea that the church would speak for us. We may even deny that the church speaks for us, and frankly, sometimes we may be embarrassed that the church speaks for us. But even so, it is true. And I want us to look at what we say right here at Glen, week in, week and week out, that declare that we do, in fact, believe that Christ is coming again. First, every week we say the Lord's Prayer. Now, I'll be the first to admit, sometimes when I'm saying that, I am so in the routine that I don't even remember what I'm saying. So let's just hear it now. Thy kingdom come. Later this morning, we will also affirm our faith in the Apostles' Creed. Do you remember what we say every week? On the third day, he, Jesus, rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come, in the hymnal it says he will come again, to judge the living and the dead. And finally, each month we gather for communion, and Wesley or whoever is presiding, he stands there and he says, And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty deeds in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us, and we proclaim the mystery of faith. And you know what we say aloud together? Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Our text says it today. We proclaim it every week. Okay. Christ is coming again. What are we supposed to do until he comes? Mark 13, 34 to 36 says, It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. So Christ says, Don't go to sleep while I'm gone, but do the work. It's an active kind of waiting. And what is Christ's work? We all know. It's feed the hungry, clothe the poor, visit the imprisoned, minister to the sick, care for the creation, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, And teach the people to obey all that I have commanded. The church is in the world to extend the mission of Christ. That is our work. And if we fail to do the work, then we deny what we celebrate at Christmas. And that is God's self-giving made known in Jesus. The church gives because God gives. And here in Mark, Jesus tells us to do the work morning, noon, and night. Sounds like around the clock to me. But I think that's a reminder that Christianity is not just something we do. It is something we live. 24-7. And so the big question, when? Isn't that what we want to know? If Christ is coming, when? As soon as Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples wanted to know. Mark was written around the time of... The early church's persecution. And those persons who had lived during Jesus' ministry, his crucifixion, his resurrection, many of them had already died. And now we're in the second and the third generation. And they want to know when. There's promise, vindication. When? It's almost a cry of desperation. When? When? You know, sometimes I think we get too caught up in this question. We get so caught up that we lose our focus. We lose our focus because we think his return is imminent, and so we do not do the Lord's work. And then sometimes we act like it's just a story, and he will not come again. And that, too, has been to the detriment of the church. So let me be frank. Christ is coming again. The world has not seen the the last of Jesus of Nazareth. But I'm afraid if we only look at Christ coming at the end, we miss his return that is happening now. Christ comes now as a babe in the manger, and we experience anew God's grace and the gift of the incarnation Christ comes now as gifts brought by the wise men at Epiphany, and we experience it anew in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Christ comes now on a cross, and we relive his passion during Lent. Christ comes now in an empty tomb, and we celebrate the resurrection on Easter. Christ comes now in bread and wine, and we experience the renewing and the sustaining of God's grace every time we gather at the table. God comes now in baptisms, and we are transformed and incorporated into the body of Christ. Christ comes. Are we looking for Christ? Are we doing the work? Are we prepared? In this Advent season, as we remember Christ as the babe in the manger, let us also recognize that those memories of the past need a hope in the future. Titus 2.13 says we have a blessed hope in the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Christ comes. Amen.